0: Well, hey there, Gateway. Great to be with you again uh, for this uh, series. Uh, in fact, a couple of months ago, I received some snail mail. The envelope had, uh, uh, had Gateway Church on the front. And I thought, okay, you know, this is intriguing. I opened it up and inside I found this. And I'm thinking to myself, what? And there's a little note uh, Dear Marco, uh, love from Rick. So I text Rick, I took a picture of this, I text Rick, I said, what the heck? And he's like, oh, uh, this is me inviting you to speak on a a series that we're about to do called Seven Deadly Sins. And uh, over here, the teaching team, we drew straws uh, as to which topic each one of us is gonna take, but because you're in Perth and not with us in Melbourne, uh, we just decided to send you the short straw. You have no say in it. And I'm thinking to myself, I know I know which one I'm getting. I'm not going to be getting anger or lust. Hello. No. Gluttony. Yes. That's what I am going to be speaking about today. And I had absolutely no say in the matter. Um, <laughs> because here's the thing. Uh, people get lathered up when you start talking about Food and eating and choices around that sort of thing. I mean, I could, you know, tell people that I am a cocaine dealer or a male gigolo, and they'd be like, oh, that's very interesting. But as soon as you shift the topic onto food and, and, and choices, it's like things get pretty heated pretty quickly. Uh, in fact, if you ever get invited to a dinner party that you don't really want to go to, Just say to the the, the host, the person inviting you, yes, yeah, I'd love to come. Uh, Do you mind if I spend most of the evening telling people what they should or shouldn't eat? And that invitation will be canceled immediately. No questions asked. Many of you are going to be tuning into this on a Sunday morning, so I just want to say straight off the bat, relax. I'm not going to insist you put down that breakfast croissant. Okay. In fact, I have given myself a goal that in the next, at the end of the next fifteen minutes, that we we're going to still be friends. Okay. Um, straight off the bat, talking about gluttony, I'm a professional Christian, and I've read the Bible from cover to cover, and nowhere in the Bible does God talk about the importance of having six-pack abs or looking good in skinny jeans, okay? It's just not a thing. So if that is the case, why did gluttony make the final cut and end up part of the Deadly Seven? And really, there's a few ideas that fold into that, but two of the main ones is, number one, when it comes to food and our relationship with food, it's a question of who's in control. You know, are you driven by your appetite? Are you driven by food? Or do you have some sort of control over that? That, That's important. You know, God doesn't actually want anything apart from Him to have control and have that kind of influence over our life. And the second thing that, indicates why gluttony made the list, is the question of who or what are we dependent on. You know, are we dependent on food for sustenance or are we ultimately depending on God for our sustenance and being our provider? And in the the centuries ago when gluttony made the deadly seven list, excess was absolutely probably the biggest threat. Here we are many centuries later and a new protagonist has entered the landscape and it was a protagonist that didn't even exist back when the Deadly Seven was uh, finalized. (laughs) Some time ago, when we came across food that was prepared outside of our homes, that food was prepared by men and women in white coats, we called them chefs. They still exist. However, nowadays, much of the food that's prepared outside of our homes, that is consumed, is prepared by people in white coats, but they're actually now called food scientists. And in order to understand why this is problematic, let's do a little bit of biology 101. When we eat particular foods, uh, a chemical is triggered in our brain called dopamine. And and this chemical says, this is good, do more of this. And dopamine's a good thing to a point, and yet beyond the point, it's not such a good thing. But that gets released. Another thing that happens when we eat at a certain point in the process, or at least is meant to happen, is the release of a hormone called leptin. And leptin is, is our body's signal that says, okay, step away from the table. You're full, you've had enough. And when we eat food, these two things happen. Dopamine is released and eventually leptin is released, or at least that's what's meant to happen. And when I say food, sometimes, Particularly when it comes to these foods prepared by food scientists, uh, it has to be foods in inverted commas because there's a new group that's entered the food groups, and it's a category called highly processed foods. And these are not foods found in nature, these are not foods prepared by chefs. In fact, what they are, they are foods that have been created and are being constantly tweaked by food scientists who are paid by large companies to create taste profiles that trigger more dopamine, thus creating an addiction, which is what any kind of substance that creates excessive dopamine release results in and also suppress leptin in other words remove the light from the dashboard that that says you've had enough step away from the table if we can stop that thing flashing then this person's just going to keep eating and eating and eating and it's not some this isn't some dark web conspiracy i mean this just makes perfect sense this is capitalism in action food scientists are employed by large companies to Uh, create flavor profiles that cause consumers to want to consume more of their product, consume more of their product, make more profit. It's just simple commerce. But here's the problem. The problem is when it comes to things like gluttony and eating and excess, we've been told that uh, discipline and self-control are the antidote. Just, you know, just... Just exercise some discipline and some self-control, which in theory should work. However, when your mind and body is being tricked and is not actually operating the way it's meant to operate, simple discipline and self-control is actually being subverted and our body enters a state of dysregulation. All right. That's lesson one in biology 101. Let me just go quickly into lesson number two that is another flow-on of this dysregulation. See, in order to function optimally, our body needs certain nutrients. And so our body craves those nutrients. And when we give our body those nutrients, our body absorbs them and utilizes them and, and allows us to function optimally. The problem is with highly processed foods is they typically have very few nutrients. They have a lot of ingredients and I'll come back to that in a moment, but they have very few nutrients. And so we consume them and our body's like, "Uh, is that all? I, I need some more nutrients. And so our body screams to us to keep putting more in, in the vain hope when it comes to highly processed foods, that maybe, just maybe, there'll be enough nutrients eventually consumed. And so this puts us on this constant treadmill of over and excess. And look, I think you know this, because it's, I'd be very surprised If you've ever found yourself sitting in front of Netflix pounding some broccoli stalks to where you got to the point where you're like, oh my gosh, I just can't stop eating these things. No, because you'll take in something like that and your body will eventually release some leptin that says that's enough. And we'll have also got a nice dose of nutrients where it says, hey, thank you very much. You can stop eating now. I've got what I need. To help me function optimally. Okay, there's some biology 101. Let's move things into Bible College 101. One of there's a word I'm sure you're familiar with in church circles called salvation. And salvation describes this moment in time where somebody decides that they're going to put their faith in Jesus. Someone says to Jesus, "I, I believe you are who you say you are. You're the son of God. You came to earth. You died on a cross. You rose from the grave. You did that so that our sins can be forgiven. And so I ask you in this moment, would you please forgive me of my sins? Make me a brand new creation. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my days. The most important prayer ever. And the gift that comes, the number one gift that comes with salvation is the gift of forgiveness. And as a result, we are put into a right relationship with God. That's fantastic. And that's the aspect of salvation that gets the most airplay. And it should. But here's a little thing that Bible College 101 will tell you, that in addition to forgive, the gift of forgiveness coming with salvation... Jesus also offers us the gift of health and healing as part of salvation. Which is terrific if you take that gift. It's terrific if you open that gift. It's terrific if you start using that gift in the way the Creator and the gift giver intended. But unfortunately, too many people either don't open the gift, like they just, you know, health's not a priority for them, which is, what? Uh, Or they understand that it's important, but they don't use the gift in the way that the designer intended. And so the thing, because it's been misused and mishandled, it'll eventually break. And you and I both know We all know that for the last 18 months, we've been in the midst of a health pandemic. But one thing that's been something somewhat overshadowed with this health pandemic is the fact that for several decades, we've been living in the midst of a health epidemic. That things like chronic heart disease, type 2 diabetes, obesity, autoimmune conditions, anxiety, anxiety have all been on a dramatic rise as well. Many of which can be traced back to some inappropriate relationships that we've developed with food. So all I want to do today is, is, is really just put health on the table, pun intended, and encourage us to make health a priority, particularly when it comes to what we put in our body. Now here's a clanger that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. Paul was one of the bigwigs of the early church, and he would write letters of encouragement and instruction to the various churches around the known world. And this is one of the letters that he wrote to the church in Corinth. And he said this to them. He wrote this to them. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Now, if you just back up a little, you'll see that Paul was writing to them, t- telling them that their bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit to correct them from sexual immorality. In other words, stop doing the dance with no pants with somebody that's not your spouse. So that was the, the specific context that Paul was addressing. However, the notion that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit has broader application. And it's this idea that that temples aren't to be worshipped, but they are meant to be cared for and nurtured and ultimately be places where God is glorified. And if we get that perspective, that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, then what we put in it and the effect that has We have the opportunity to glorify God. We have the opportunity to honor God. We have the opportunity to show Him that we appreciate the gift of our bodies and the gift of health and that we're going to live in such a way that demonstrates that we want to honor Him in that way. So the current nutrition landscape includes a bunch of approaches. You may have heard of some of them, paleo, vegan, keto, carnivore, vegetarian, low-carb, high-fat, the list goes on, okay? And and they differ in many aspects, and and some of those camps kind of arm wrestle with each other and lob grenades into each other's trenches, and I'm not going to do any of that today. But when you sift through those various dietary or nutrition approaches, there are certain things that they actually do all agree on, And, and I'll just quickly fly over what they are. First of all, they all agree that we, as humans, in order in the pursuit of optimal health, would be better off reducing or eliminating highly processed foods. And just let me define, because I have referred to highly processed foods, let me define what I mean when I say highly processed foods. It's foods with double-digit list of ingredients. It's foods with ingredients that you don't even know what they are. You read the word and you're like, huh? It's foods and it, with ingredients that your great-grandmother wouldn't recognize. And here's a fun game you all can play at home. We've got Halloween coming up. You don't need to wait until some kiddo knocks on your door in a scary costume for you to be terrified. What I would encourage you to do at the end of church at home today, head over to your pantry, and this is no judgment, just head over to your pantry, pull out a few things, Uh, Foods that come in packages with barcodes and flip over to the list of ingredients and and here's the game, count how many there are. And if it's heading towards or over double digits, that might be a problem. Uh, Play a quiz with some of the words in the ingredients that you don't recognize. Does anybody know what this means? What, is that a food? Uh, No, I don't think so. Second thing that these nutrition approaches Agree on is reduce or eliminate sugar. That sugar in itself is incredibly problematic when it comes to our health. The downstream effects of sugar consumption and especially excessive sugar consumption, uh, and the addictive nature of sugar consumption, is problematic. And and then the final thing that these uh, nutrition approaches agree on is prioritize nutrient density. And this goes back to the biology 101 lesson that I talked about earlier, that our bodies crave nutrients in order to perform optimally. And if we aren't giving our body those nutrients, well, it's impossible. Biologically, it's impossible for us to enjoy optimal health. So instead of being an omnivore, I would encourage you to consider being a nutrivore. What sort of nutrients does this food have? And if you can maximize nutrients, your body will love you for it. And and, and I, I, I'm kind of thinking, I know you're all pretty smart roosters, uh, I'm kind of thinking this makes sense to you that if you prioritize nutrients, your body will thank you for it because of this idea that if we prioritize the foods that God created over the foods that food scientists created then the body that God created will respond in a more optimal way that that, that that's the relationship that we were meant to have with food all along. I mean, yes, of course, taste and flavor. And that can be achieved with real food. That's what chefs do. Um, That's why cookbooks sell. (laughs) Uh, But if we do that, I'm not saying you'll never get sick. I'm not saying that you won't have bad days or bad seasons. I, I, I am saying, however, if we prioritize the foods that God created, then... Our general health will typically trend in the direction that God intended when He gifted us health and healing. So final word on this. Uh, Nobody does this 100% perfectly 100% of the time. So I'm not suggesting you go to your pantry in 20 minutes time and just chuck everything out. I am. I would recommend just start to shift your momentum, start to shop differently, and therefore prepare food differently, and and see how much over time your body will thank you for it. So I love you guys. I'm praying for you over here in sunny Perth. Uh, look forward to the next time I'm with you at church at home. And uh, in the meantime, to your health, salute!